0: It's time for the Average Pro's Fantasy Football Podcast, featuring Jonathan Riggs, Alex Huff, and Braden Crowe. Well, welcome into another episode of the Average Pro's Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're bringing you the clear, concise, and competitive advantage you've been looking for and the time you've been hoping for. Just thought I had to throw that in there, Alex and Braden, because in case the listeners forgot, that's our goal, and we're here week getting ready for week one week one is upon us and so we're we're pretty excited i mean uh how are y'all feeling with uh what's ahead
1: i'm super pumped um i finished my last draft for all of my leagues last night so i kind of feel like uh uh oh what's his name from the avengers thanos i feel like i got the last infinity stone and i'm just ready to take on the world so i'm super pumped
0: i was ready for an office episode and just because just because and that was it could not be further from it but uh makes sense thanos it is it was Alex. the
1: it, it's the gif of the the dropping the final stone in and then which the, one was no. the final infinity stone was it the the it was, stone. uh, you sold your no, no, soul. No, it wasn't the soul stone, it was, um, it was Visions Stone, right?
0: Oh, no, I was just saying, like, what was your final Infinity Stone?
1: So... Oh, it was the Keeper League we're all in, where I got to keep uh, Brees Hall, okay. Calvin Ridley, and all of them in the last round. That's what it was. Alex, mm-hmm. he was setting us up for that. He was, you I think the thing you were th- trying to think of is you can
2: finally rest. Dan, <laughs> <you> can <laughs> <Yes>. finally rest. <laughs> Uh, Hopefully week one,
0: Thor doesn't come in and chop your head off. It costs me everything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I actually have my last draft right after this podcast. So I will be there here in a couple hours, but uh, feeling very excited. I think, you know, it's that time of year. We can finally see that the, you know, season's upon us. We have the projections on all our apps for all our players. Like it's, I think Braden, you texted me today. Like we finally have start-sit decisions and that's exciting. So let's go.
0: So before we dive into uh, our episode for today, at the time of this recording, we just found out that Travis Kelsey did not tear his ACL, um, but still injured there. And so being a Lions fan, I feel like I would be remiss not to just poise the question with Chris Jones not reporting with Travis Kelsey injured like is this shaping up for a for week one upset or am I just way too hopeful? Should y'all, y'all, y'all need to put me in my place?
1: I I will say that if I lived in a state that allowed sports gambling, I would take the Lions and the points for this game. I've been saying that ever since I knew this was the first game though. It just, it reeks of a... uh. They're going to knock off the Chiefs and everyone's going to lose their mind because they haven't watched football in six months. So the line is six and a half points. So, yeah, give me, I, I think they're going to keep it within a touchdown.
0: I mean, I feel I, like that's a lot, especially now. The line's got to move here soon, right?
1: Is it at yeah. Ford or is it at Arrowhead?
2: It's at Arrowhead. Yeah. It might not have moved though. But I still would take it. I think I know we're doing bold takes today, but I i mean, I think the Lions are going to be good this year. Like, I think they had a very good offense last year. The Chiefs, especially if Challenger isn't there. I mean, I, I don't see how I think the Lions are. We're used to the Lions being so bad that it's shocking to say. But if you just look at their offensive stats last year, like they're they're a really good offensive team. Like, I don't see how they don't at least put up some points against the Chiefs and kind of let the Chiefs. Win or lose the game.
0: Okay, I promise we'll get to today's podcast, but I'm looking at the Lions versus Chief line right now, and a picture of Travis Kelsey popped up. Does he have the Andy Reid mustache now? Did I miss this?
1: Yeah, he's had it- a mustache for a while.
0: And it looks a- like...
1: Andy Reid has the Travis Kelsey mustache. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. <laughs> How many listens before we could get Travis Kelsey or Jason Kelsey to do like a
1: collab on a podcast?
2: That'd be... No, so so many.
1: Yeah. Way too, <laughs> way too many. Get a number in your head and like <laughs> multiply that by four. And that's where. I was gonna say quadruple it. <laughs> hey, a, a guy can dream. A guy can dream. So
0: I'm looking forward to there. Is their thing out on Prime? Anyway, I, I could I don't know. I'm I'm on uh tangents tonight, but let's dive into some bold takes. As I was saying before the show, there's hot takes, there's cold takes, and there's bold takes. So we are stepping out of the comfort zone, which is where braden likes to live uh but uh we are going to give you some bold takes for the 2023 2023- fantasy football season. We each are doing two. And so that just kind of gives us some flexibility. They're going to be all over the map. Some of them you may have called. If you listen to some of our previous podcasts, some of them you're going to be like, what the heck? And some of them just may cause an all out brawl to break out. So let's dive in before we waste any more time. So I think we're going to start with Braden. You've got the first take here. So kick off our bold takes for twenty twenty three.
1: Yeah. So my bold take, my first one should not be a surprise to anyone who listened to, uh, last episode. Uh, my first bold take is that Brock Purdy is this year's Trevor Lawrence. And before you say I'm crazy, uh, He's just going to be. And you should take my word for it and you should draft him. But um to, what, what an argument. You still have a what draft. It, All right, Alex, you're next? It, Go ahead.
2: What what an argument. Before you argue with me, I'm just right. <laughs> you yeah, yeah. In the, so in that, the podcast. <laughs> We're done.
1: So that's my first point. Secondly, um, if you look at weeks uh, 14 through 18 when uh Brock Purdy started, he averaged fantasy points um, per start. And if you look at other quarterbacks that averaged that much, uh, here is the list. It is Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, whenever he was healthy. uh, And Kyler was at 18.9. Those are the only quarterbacks that um, finished higher than him on a week to week average per start basis. So, uh, Brock Purdy has at least a record of showing that he can do it. He did it in playoffs as well. Um, and he did it against good defenses. And so he has the weapons. He doesn't have any competition at this point, and he's had an off season to prepare for it. So, um, I just, I think for where he's going, he's going undrafted in single quarterback leagues and, that's obviously an amazing price. So uh, I'm excited to see where that takes us this season and, and what Purdy does. So that's kind of who I'm, I'm planting my flag on and who I think is going to be um a high draft pick this time next year. I guess my
0: only question to that would be, I mean, I, they traded Trey Lance, so they are not worried about backups because now they're left with Sam Darnold but are, and at the risk of, you know, sounding like a broken record are the San Francisco 49ers just overhyped in general on offense. Like, is it just going to be like a huge letdown season? Like, like, I don't know. It just seems like everybody's going to have a great season. You got Ayuk, you got McCaffrey, you got, which I mean, would bode well for Purdy, but it just feels like there's just too many, too many things that are expected of them expectations
1: well there's high. you gotta you gotta think about it there's too many things that are expected of them and so that's why you're scared to draft Ebo at cost and Ayuk's even cheaper but you're scared to draft him at cost and Kittle isn't extremely right. high he's in the fifth or sixth round but you're still scared to draft him at cost because there's so many mouths to feed except the person feeding those mouths is Brock Purdy and he is he's gonna I think he's the one that can benefit from all of it. You know, it's, it's the exact opposite of that argument. And so I, I fear drafting Debo, Iuke or Kittle at their current cost. And even McCaffrey, I would just rather take Jefferson or chase, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, all of those weapons are great for Brock Purdy and, you know, I, I don't see a world that at least some of those, players don't finish higher than ADP. So I'm in on it. I guess
2: my only concern is a little bit different is that there's, we don't, haven't seen a lot of rushing ability from Brock pretty and by and large, non rushing quarterbacks for fantasy really are only relevant in the, you know, extreme touchdown range, the, you know, 4,500 passing yards and, um, you know, kind of what we're projecting for like a Justin Herbert this year, but also like what we've seen from Aaron Rodgers in the past and stuff like that. I, I don't think that Burke pretty doesn't have that rushing ability. We just haven't consistently seen that enough to put him in that category. And I feel like there's a potential that he gets kind of offset a little bit by guys like, you know, Daniel Jones or somebody who does a similar rushing ability has less weapons, but does rush a little bit more and is able to, to kind of like, I, I would say be a little bit more fantasy relevant, but, I am assuming what
1: you're saying with Brock Purdy is he's going to basically be so good that it's, it's not going to matter. Right. I just think he's going to be, I think he's going to be highly efficient. And I kind of chose the Trevor Lawrence comp because Lawrence, I mean, he can run Brock Purdy ran some last year. You know, he, he definitely does not look like a Jalen hurts type runner. (laughs) He kind of looks like he's (laughs) scared for his life, but he's, he's getting yardage. And so, um, I, I chose Trevor Lawrence because he leveled up last year, and he's not elite yet, but he is on the cusp of it, and he's one—he's essentially one year away from being one of those elite names. And so, that was kind of why I chose chose that name. Yeah. I like it.
0: Um, I don't have a whole lot of reservations other than what we shared. So, Alex, I think that takes us to the. The next bold take, what do you got?
2: Yeah, so one of my bold takes this year is that James Cook finishes as a top 12 running back, um, which sounds kind of bold. I guess depending on how you look at it, maybe isn't that bold. Um, He did not finish great last year as a rookie. We know that. He finished, I think, as the RB 44. He's currently going this year as the RB 26. Um, But he also had a very minimal role last year the buffalo offense was a little bit more it was more pass heavy and josh allen rushing dependent um they have since let go of some of their other backup running backs and they have they have signed a couple guys um we've seen damon harris get on board and latavius Murray since joined but they both do very different things than james cook does they're both bruisers between the tackles goal line backs um but we did see james cook actually get some early down work last year and all camp reports show that he is still there, not only their first back, but he's also their third down back and he's their pass catching back, uh, especially now that we know Naheem Hines is out for the year. He still did have some really good ranks last year, even though he was essentially just a rookie and kind of playing the pass catching back. He still had 6.3 yards per reception, which is is a well above average for. Even the better of the pass catching backs in the league, um, two point four air yards per target. He's capable. We obviously know his brother Dalvin Cook kind of has the similar skill set. They're not the biggest guys, but they are able to run between the tackles. Uh, his vision is is kind of on that level where he has the yards before contacts. Um, and if this Buffalo offense is what they what we think it's going to be, um, and they've been saying this forever, and I don't. I mean, it's it's kind of why would they do it, change it this year? But I, I really believe that they are going to try to get Josh Allen to rush less this year, and I think James Cook is the answer to that. And I think their contingency plans are Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. I think their primary plan is James Cook. And if they feed James Cook, he gets the pass-catching work that we expect on this offense, plus some of the first-down work and the work between the tackles. I just think it's inevitable that he's – Maybe it's a back end top twelve running back, but I don't see how he's not in that conversation. Um, so my bold take is that he's a top twelve running back this year.
1: Yeah, something um, I've been, I've found myself drafting a lot of James Cook, and I've noticed that as draft season has gone along, that James Cook keeps getting pushed up higher and higher and Damian Harris in more and more drafts that I'm in keeps going undrafted and in like July it was pretty close like James Cook was still ahead but it was fairly close and so however it shakes out someone's going to be a screaming value either that Damian Harris is going to be a great waiver wire ad or that you got an RB1 and James Cook in the fifth or sixth round And, you know, it's, I personally lean on the James Cook side just because Latavius Murray is 33. Damian Harris has a bum knee. And I just, I think that talent and young athletic burst 99% of the time always wins out. And so I think that seems how it's kind of shaken up. I'm excited to see what happens Monday night against a really good Jets defense. But, um, I think the Bills would be foolish to try and run Josh Allen as hard as they did um, whenever they have another solid, um, talented running back. So I don't mind that take at all.
0: With James Cook, so he's sub 200 pounds. So a little bit of concern there for the wear and tear. Obviously, Damian Harris is going to probably get most of the goal line work along with Josh Allen. So I don't think we're projecting any goal line work for him. But just in order for him to be a running back one I mean we're probably thinking he's gonna have to hit somewhere between like 175 carries at least um and so the wear and tear is my first concern there and the flip side of that is when you look at targets lost you obviously have Devin Singletary had 61 targets last year but really no one else had a whole lot of targets from the running back perspective
2: um so and, and that's had... part of it. I mean, that's part of it. You take, say he gets even at the 150 range carries, but then he gets 50 of those 61 targets that Devin Singletary had. Right. I think he's, you automatically put him in that category. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get all of his touchdowns from the goal line. We'd also don't need him to get 10, 12, 15 touchdowns. That would make him the running back one. Um, We just need him to get, you know, six and, they can come from you know outside the twenty yard line, kind of making things work, which is what he does. The also the undersized comment. I mean, yes, he is barely under two hundred pounds. Like Davin Cook is is right at two hundred pounds. Also, you know, and he's been we we've never even brought that up with him. You know, so um, I just yeah. like I said at the RB twenty six. I think it's an easy buy. Curl like you said. I think there's an easy chance that there's going to be a value here. I've been I pick up Damian Harris as well, but I just think. I don't think there's that many stars that have to align for James Cook to get into that conversation. Um, so I I know this is bold takes. I just don't feel like it's that bold, but that's, that's the one I'm going to ride with. One of the two that I'm going to ride with this year.
0: Is he this year's Josh Jacobs from the dead zone?
2: I think he's going after the dead zone. Honestly,
0: 20, I was looking at someone 24 and Braden had mentioned,
1: I don't know if that's a fair comp, but I don't know. I mean, like, uh, A Pollard comp doesn't shock me, you know, like someone who is really efficient in touches, but also has a running back who can get the goal line work like Zeke does. I think that that for for the Bills is Josh Allen, but well, and the other one for
2: me is with his same counterpart. Now he's playing with the Ramondre Stevenson of last year where he's going in the seventh, eighth round. He has Damien Harris as the goal line back and he gets
1: most of the pass catching work. I think he's going to be highly efficient. The reality is, I think I was saying this last night in the draft, whenever we all drafted, someone from the Bills is going to be just a league-winning value at ADP because Dalton Kincaid is going super late, and Diggs is going later than being possibly a wide receiver one. Gabe Davis is going super late. Like Someone's going to be a screaming value, and I think James Cook has the best shot out of any of them.
0: Well, Brandon, thank you for a great segue into my bold take. Um, I know you can see the doc, but I think you just, we had ESP there for a second. So um, <laughs> I am going to continue with the bold takes here. It's ESP, right? Like that's a thing, right? Like
1: I, I was thinking hive mind, but I don't know what oh, ESP means.
0: That too. Uh, I couldn't tell you what it means, but I, I'm pretty sure it means.
1: You heard you know. someone say it somewhere, so. Somebody mentioned it one time at one
0: point (laughs) and it probably means something totally different than what I actually mean. So if ESP does not mean what I think it means, then uh, please let us know right, right into the podcast. Uh, Lo and behold, uh, my bold take is that Sam Laporta and Dalton Kincaid are both going to finish as top 10 tight ends. And let me tell you why, before you get up and walk out of the room and throw your phone, so a little bit along the same lines as James Cook with Dalton Kincaid. I mean, we've talked about the screaming value, obviously they drafted him with incredibly high capital. Um, Dawson Knox, we saw, I mean, he only had 77 targets last year. And um, I think that dips even more so this coming year. Uh, you have Isaiah McKenzie who avoided 69 targets. Who's gone out of the picture. And Devin Singletary, who I mentioned earlier as 61 targets, the camp, Rave is ridiculous. Um, everyone, I was just looking at an article that was written seven hours ago. He's set up for a monster season. I think the Bills have been waiting for that, that kind of next piece. He brings a really dynamic, not just a red zone threat, but also between the 20s threat. If you watched them at all at Utah, Cam Rising would use that guy up and down the field. It was like the first time I watched him, I thought he was wide receiver. So profiles is that. Um, he's gotten a few Travis Kelsey comps, which I'm not ready to go there yet, but at late in the draft, like he is take him as a backup tight end. And I think by week four or five, you're going to be really happy. You did the other side of that coin. As once I put in the show doc, I got called a Homer, which I accept and I wear and I own, but Sam Laporta first six weeks, no Jamison Williams. You've got Deandre Swift. Who's out of the picture, 70 targets. Goodbye. And you have DJ Chark, another 52 targets that's gone. TJ Hawkinson, 43 targets. We're talking about almost 165 targets there, not counting the fact that Brock Wright, James Mitchell, and Shane Zylstra made up another almost 45 targets, who I think Sam LaPorta easily is listed as as a tight end one. um, I think easily takes over some of those targets. To be a top 10 tight end, you really don't have to be out of this world Um, you're talking about showing consistency season long. And I think he gets the first six weeks to show that. And I think he keeps that title injury free. He's going to be a really screaming value again at the end of your draft. And he can't gives you some really fun fantasy names.
2: Yeah. I definitely don't hate that. I mean, it it is hard because we've just never seen rookie tight ends really pop. Like you said, but I think if it's going to be a year, it's going to be this year. And rather be ahead of the curb than behind it. And you can pick up some kind of late round tight ends to kind of fill that gap until pop. And I think that's, it's kind of a low risk, really, really high reward option.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the victory lap, if it hits is amazing. The, the one thing I do want to go back to is with vacated targets. One of the metrics that sticks the most is with vacated targets, the majority of the time, the majority of those vacated targets go to the running back. And so I think that the bold take is these tight ends are super relevant. I think that what may be the realistic take is for the lions that you could see David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs catch more passes than we expect, especially with Jamison out and that like Alex was saying, James Cook could catch more passes than we're giving him credit for. So I affirm the bold take Jonathan, because this is the bold take show, but for the listeners, I am saying that there is a reality that it may benefit the running backs more
0: realistically. I mean, I think we, when we talk about upside and winning drafts, like those are the type of upsides. Absolutely. Getting late. And I mean, okay, so you're punting on your seventh and eighth round tight end theoretically. You're if you don't go early tight end, you're punting on your Goddards and maybe your Kittles, your uh Friar Muse, um, you know, some guys like that. And the guys that you're getting in that place, I mean, if if we're talking wide receivers, um, correct me if I'm wrong, you can guys like Tyler Lockett, um, Hollywood. Uh, you mentioned David Montgomery, he's going somewhere in that range. So I think it's just the value of who you can get at that. And really there's just so much, so much flexibility and unknowns at tight end that, uh, obviously my take is top 10, not that they're going to be good. So it takes it a little step further. So we're keeping our seats on
1: this episode for sure. Well, I've been grabbing Kincaid with my last pick whenever I have to punt tight end. Um, and so as it stands right now, I like Kincaid more than Laporta. At the end of drafts, the the this is unwarranted advice. I'm just giving it to you. But the only other tight I'll end I get it. Yeah, you can take it. Take notes, Jonathan. You may need it. Um, Alex, you're probably good. But um I would look at Tyler Higby at the end of drafts, especially in PPR leagues with this Cooper Cup unknown stuff going on. That's really the only other tight end I will grab at the end of the draft besides a Dalton Kincaid. So I don't mind that take at all.
2: Cool.
0: Well, y'all didn't totally run me out of the room or laugh me out of the room. So that's always a good start. Thanks for that. Uh, words of affirmation. So let's jump to round two. Alex, we're gonna let you go first. We'll we we'll do these a little bit quicker just to kind of give you some supplementary bold takes. Maybe these are spicier, and bolder, but uh, they'll be quicker. So Alex, what is your uh, second bold take?
2: Yeah, so I actually feel more strongly about this one than I did the James Cook one. <laughs> Uh, but I think DJ Moore is going to finish as a top 10 wide receiver. So not even top 12, I could say wide receiver one. I think he's going to finish as a top 10 wide receiver. And currently he's going as the wide receiver 21. Um, Here's my case why I think he's going to be good this year. Because he is definitely getting written off. Um, A lot of the argument is that, you know, we've seen this happen before. We've seen Stephon Diggs, who was really great short distance and long distance, like long route short routes all over the field was amazing in Minnesota but he just did not have the sustainability to be an elite wide receiver he goes to uh Buffalo Josh Allen was an up-and-coming quarterback at the time and we saw that obviously work out same thing kind of happened last year we saw AJ Brown who we know is a tried and true bona fide elite wide receiver goes to Jalen Hurts who we have concerns about as a passer he's awesome this is kind of the third iteration of this. We've already seen it happen twice. DJ Moore is being slipped on as an overall talent before this year. We have been saying this is his fifth year in the NFL or sixth year in the NFL. The last five years I, at most expert, I mean, I know we have even been saying, Hey, DJ Moore is one of those wide receivers that is great on short routes, great intermediary, intermediary routes, great long-term routes. Like he is all over the field. He wins. The three of his last five years, he's had over a 1,000 yards receiving, which that has also been done with not just bad, but like atrocious quarterback play. Like worse, as bad as what Justin Fields was last year, and we expect Justin Fields to take a step forward. So he not only is coming over to Chicago with some capital, they traded a first-round pick, the number one overall pick, for DJ Moore, right? So they – The Bears are expected to not only work him into the offense, we expect the Bears to work the offense around DJ Moore. All camp reports, all preseason reports have shown that DJ Moore and Justin Fields have a great rapport. This just feels like we know what's going to happen. I don't know why the fantasy community hasn't caught up to this. Maybe I'm, maybe I missed something. Like, I don't, I don't understand what I'm missing though. Like, it just seems like it all adds up to be what we've already seen happen. We know what this pattern looks like. And D.J. Moore isn't maybe on the same level of a wide receiver that A.J. Brown is athletically, but he is absolutely what we saw Stephon Diggs was in Minnesota before that move happened to Buffalo. Like they're, We love their prospect profile. They're elite wide receivers. They win at every level. And now he gets not only a quarterback that's improving, it's going to be one of his better quarterbacks he's ever played with, but he's also going to be in an offense that is building around him. And so I'm really excited for DJ Moore. I'm buying him everywhere. I I think that I mean, I I just don't see how he doesn't at least outperform his ADP at wide receiver 21, which has creeped up. He was going wide receiver 28, 29 earlier in the offseason. But um I I really like him this year. I think if I miss on this bull take, like I'm okay with that. I, I absolutely am buying him with the upside of a top 10 wide receiver and I think he has higher upside than that, but I think top 10 is even kind of safe for his upside um just
1: based on what we know about wide receivers. Uh so Alex this is a take that you actually changed my mind on. I was not in on um DJ Moore and I really couldn't figure out why. I just felt like I was burned a bunch because the argument has always been, oh, well, he's getting the best quarterback of his career. And you look back on his career since 2018 and like that has been the story every single year of like it's it started with Cam Newton and then it moved to Teddy Bridgewater and then it moved to Sam Darnold and then it moved to Baker Mayfield. And every single year is oh my gosh, if he can get a thousand yards and four touchdowns with Teddy Bridgewater, he can get 1300 yards and seven touchdowns with, with a uh, Baker, you know, like, and so it's, I feel like I'm like, fool me once, shame on me, like fool me twice, like, or fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, sure. shame on me. Yeah. And um, it's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just, as I was thinking about it, it's like, I'm guilty of that. I I'm so tired of getting burned on DJ Moore, and but the reality is, is that his ADP right now is where it's always been, and the upside with Justin Fields and a new landscape, and I'm just I'm I am ready to be hurt again by DJ Moore, and and if it ends up being that he only gets a thousand yards and four touchdowns, then I guess that's okay. Like it was a fourth or late fourth, early fifth round draft cost. And like, I can live with that. It's not like I'm getting him in the second round. It's not like I'm getting him early third round and, and I'll live with it.
2: And I think that's kind of the argument is it's his floor, right? Like outside of his rookie year, the lowest he has ever finished is the wide receiver 24. And that's basically where he's going right now. But he's now on a team where he has the best offense and the best system around that he's ever had. And we also know that he's a tried and true bona fide, elite wide receiver talent. So yep. I won't even rebuttal
0: mainly because I'm just so excited to throw this next bold take right in Alex's face and see how he makes me feel. I am going on record right now as a hurt and broken and needs lots of healing from DeAndre Swift, that he himself will get cut by the Philadelphia Eagles by the end of the season. Now, mind you, you know, actually, no, mind you, nothing. He's getting cut. He's not, he's, no, he's getting cut. Rashad Penny's better than him. Kenneth Gainwell's got all the hype. Jalen Hurts is the runner. Like, it's just not happening, DeAndre. Like, you missed your chance. You can't stay healthy. You're getting cut. You're going on the pup. You're going on the IR. You're getting cut. That's... I, I, I just, it's more emotional of a bold take than, than really factual, but it's on record. So do what you will.
2: I guess just like, do we not think that he's good? Like what's, I mean, like two years ago, like he was in conversation oh, of like, he drafted in the
0: second round last year.
2: Right. Like he was drafted that high. Even the last two off seasons, we have said he has talent similar to like a Christian McCaffrey profile. He just needs opportunity. I never said that. That, I'm just saying. It? Over, I did. I did. Okay. I, right. I, 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 never yeah. right. And I have as well. I mean, just <laughs> you, like just based on his like advanced metrics, he's been a, an incredibly good running back. He just has not been able to really fit in Detroit. Now he gets traded to an offense that now wants to use him. Granted, it was a seventh round pick. They traded for him. So they basically just, uh, you know, I think they got,
0: Oh, yeah. Was it a seventh? Gosh, seventh? It, uh, it was worse. A, it, it was a, a
2: 20, th- it was a 2023 seventh and a 2025 fourth. So like, okay. not just like a McDouble is like a McDouble and fries basically was what they paid for him. So like, <laughs> to be fair, if they cut him, it's not like that painful, but it's like, I just, I just also the ups, the opposite of this is like, he finally in a, an offense that is we, one of the best offenses in the league that we also want Jalen hurts is rushing to like come down, but he's a pass catching back, which they could utilize. So I feel like, I feel like, uh, cut is bold so i respect the boldness of this cuz i'm on opposite sides of you on 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 this take it's spicy no doubt
0: uh as i'm continuing to look i, I could have sworn there was another running back that was uh signed that was that. Ev- i mean boston scott is there as well uh but he seems like he's always creating problems
1: uh you're you're yeah. thinking you're thinking about zeke being there which was an april fools joke that you believed so it's just DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, and Kenneth Gainwell, and maybe Boston Scott.
0: I stand by my take. You know, I've I've been called crazy. I've been called a lot of things, but I will not be called wrong at the end of the 2023 season when DeAndre Swift is okay. You know, I can't I can't back down. Nope, nope. He's getting cut. End of end of discussion. Your your points are valid, Alex, but. Uh, I, I just, I feel it in my bones, you know, you just, you got to come on listeners. You can, you can relate.
2: Well, uh, just to, just to pause the podcast really quick, just a fun little thing. Uh, y'all are fourth on the clock and you have Eckler and CMC full PPR. Who do you take? You take CMC, right? CMC 100%. Okay. We, can continue 100%. To bold, we continue to 100%. We continue to both takes. I just wanted to.
1: That was a live looking at purely announced. hypothetical.
2: Alex purely hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's no pausing in life. We're we're drafting while the show's going on. It's, it's how it happens. Like that's, that's life. Okay. Give, give me out of somebody, somebody transition. Save me.
1: Save me. Yep. I will, uh, I will close this out with my last bold take. And, um, as, as of recently, Jeff Wilson jr. Um, has gone on the IR, um, running back from Miami dolphins. Um, and so my bold take is the highest scoring dolphins running back of the 2023 season is currently not on the roster. So, uh, currently the running backs that would be in contention for that are Raheem Mostert, um, who is 31 years old, uh, Devon a chain who is smaller than even James cook and, um, Salvan Ahmed, And so um, really this this take comes from I think A-Chain is going to have some manufactured touches, but uh, the Dolphins were linked to Jonathan Taylor. They were linked to Dalvin Cook. Um, there's been rumors of um, Kareem Hunt or Fournette or um, making other trades. And so I, I just don't think the Dolphins are done. And I think that they really need another running back to make that scheme work to keep to a healthy and to um, get the ball out to Jalen Waddell and uh, Tyreek Hill. So that's my bold take. I, I could totally see a trade going down. I could totally see if I got a notification right now that Kareem Hunt signed with, with them, I would not be shocked. So I think that's my bold take.
0: Maybe DeAndre Swift would get cut and get signed by the Dolphins. If Swift... Both of our
1: takes, right? If Swift landed there, I would be pumped. That's like him going to the Eagles. It's a great offense. I
2: don't understand. Way better
0: situation for the Dolphins. It's sunnier in...
1: I was gonna say Phil. Wait, why is it always? Well, here. Okay, here, here, here's the. Miami. Okay, we're, nope, we're not gonna go there, Jonathan. We're gonna stay on task. No, so. I don't
2: know. I want the answer to that though, too.
1: At some point, <laughs> oh like, no, have gosh.
0: you ever seen the show? I've never watched the show. Like, I is it kind of similar to it. Seinfeld?
1: No, it's it's much they more felt. raunchy. I think so. Yeah. It's more like the How I Met Your Mother
2: vein. I think. So it's like like Friends. It's like the league. It's like
1: the
0: like the league. Ooh, callback, callback. Uh, Braden,
1: say something of value. (laughs) I were we talking about DeAndre Swift and why he's
0: actually? I think I was going to talk about how I think you're absolutely right. These are like the these are the things that Braden says at first that you're like, what do you even say? Like why? And then you start thinking about it, you're like, wait, like it's kind of like a a nice. I don't know. It's it's just it's gonna get there. And no, well, you got I, it. I wanna know what yeah. the, I know what you were gonna I, say. Come I know.
1: On. You got it. Come on.
0: Uh like a wine. Uh, is <laughs> what I was gonna say. I was You're totally gonna wine say guy. something, something <laughs> big. Okay. Uh, we I'm gonna to,
2: to be fair and to get us off of this, we uh Jonathan, we legitimately need some kind of DeAndre Swift like bet. Like not a, not if he's gonna be cut or not, but we just need some like Winning or losing, you know.
1: Well, why don't y'all just bet on who's going to be the top running back for the Eagles this year?
0: Well, he thinks DeAndre Swift. I'm Kenny. Yeah, Kenny Gainwell.
1: Oh, okay. That's our bet. Well, I bet. Well, I, I bet Alex would have given you the field on that. He wouldn't. Have, he, I, I was about to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I'll take just Kenny Gainwell. <laughs> I mean the field's not much better. (laughs) Rajad Benny's I'll take the field, throw in Kareem Hunt, like
1: (laughs) Zeke.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is not my brightest moment, but just wait till the end of the season. I can't I'm keeping these receipts.
2: Hey, I do have a I do have a Kenneth Gainwell take somewhere back in the archives. And maybe I was just a year early. Because I think you're like a he, year
0: and a half early. I think that was like was the that, beginning of last season. Like you read like a hype from camp.
1: Uh, no, I, it was totally. There was nothing we were talking about with Kenneth Gainwell. It just was out of nowhere. Alex said, "Hey, don't sleep on Kenny Gainwell." And I said, "I am fast asleep." And <laughs> that's all I remember. I don't even know where it is. It's somewhere in one of our Salmon. podcasts. But I remember. Okay,
0: was- let's let's close this thing out with some substance here. I want to hear you you top week one stashes so for the listeners who before game time are you stashing because right now week one no one's really looking at them but you think week two they either are an injury away from being super valuable or they're just need a week of uh relevance and then they're gonna boom uh
1: this was not in our show doc so i'm a little on my feet here but i would say uh, Marvin Mims is super interesting with this uh Jerry Judy situation. And then Tajay Spears, if anything ever happened to Derrick Henry, Tajay Spears looked amazing in preseason. So those are the two off the top of my head. As y'all are talking, more may come, but that's what I got. I'm going to like- go
2: kind of an easy answer here. And I think Jalen Warren of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I just think with the Najee situation, uh, I just, there's a lot of camp reports that Jalen Warren is kind of outperforming and we already are kind of worried about Najee just as an injury risk, but I think he could have standalone value I'll throw another one, just as Elijah Mitchell, uh, the 49ers, just, I think he's got standalone value and obviously he's got good contingency value. Um, so I like both of those.
0: I don't know if this one's either too off the wall or if this is even what I'm asking, which I should know what I'm asking, but I'm going to throw Sean Tucker in there. Um, from Tampa Bay, obviously Rashad White's going to start the season out as the main guy there, but an injury and and the hype is growing with Sean Tucker. Um, I also, again, don't know where this one lands, but obviously if, if you're not rostering Van Jefferson, um, I think that there's, there's some potential there. Cooper cup, as much as it pains me, I think he's going to play, but if he doesn't with the hamstring, I'm sorry, play eventually. I don't think he's going to play week one, but uh, the lingering hamstring issue is just always scary. So anytime, I mean, kind of for the same reason you mentioned Marvin Mims, Braden, I think Van Jefferson's got the most rapport with Matt Stafford. I read a really interesting article, Kelly Stafford, Matt Stafford's wife was talking about how Matt Stafford is having trouble relating to the new players, (laughs) and so by default van jefferson's like the oldest person on that roster next to cooper cup so i i think that there's probably the best rapport there um but those would be my two that um kind of thinking could be out there that that are worth stashing that have value do you think of any other ones Braden?
1: i'd probably add ty chandler to that list i like All the reports are saying Madison's the guy, but we really haven't seen it. Like, he's had like a couple games of like amazing, but he never, he never was good enough to even like split work with Dalvin Cook. And so, you know, I think that I really think that there's a world that Ty Chandler, you know, sees way more touches than we expect or overtakes altogether. Alex gives the thumbs up
0: with that one. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. We appreciate everybody taking the time to listen. If you haven't liked or subscribed to the podcast, then uh, do that before you exit out of the app. Do it right now, right now. Click it, go, hurry. We will catch you on the next one. Have a great week one. Enjoy some football, live it up. We're the average bros. See ya. Your time is valuable, and we thank you for sharing a little of it with the Average Pros. For more clear, concise, and competitive analysis, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AverageProsFF. That's at AverageProsFF. Editing and production by Jonathan Rates, voiceover by Ben Johnson, music by Josh Lippy and the Overtimers. We'll catch you at the next one.